0: top, don't you think? Yeah. <clears throat> hey, y'all met my wife, Amanda, beautiful, she looks beautiful. The youth, we had that plan, y'all were supposed to like just go crazy. Okay. That's awesome, that's awesome. Anyway, how y'all doing today? Everybody doing well? All right, well, uh, past, what is it, eight weeks, we've been talking about, the we've been being challenged in the building a great life, BAGEL, and that's a, it's a great acronym, BAGEL for building a great life. I wish my sermon had had a good acronym, OG. OG, what is that? Grant, you have an idea? No, OG. Okay, well, let's start it out with a little scripture here. Psalm 147. He tells the number of the stars. He calls them all by names. Great is our Lord and a great power. His understanding is infinite. According to the book, Understanding the Universe, there are 100 billion Galaxies in our universe—that's what we're able to see. That's uh, from telescopes from from the ground, the Hubble Telescope. That's the observable universe. So we don't really know what's out beyond our universe, but there is a hundred billion galaxies in there. Um, and it's also said that there's a hundred billion people that have lived on this earth and died. Well, some of us have died, some of us haven't yet. But uh, hundred billion people, our galaxy. Is uh, one of 100 billion that we know that are out there. So you have 100 billion galaxies in the in the universe. Then there's 100 billion stars in each galaxy. There's 100 billion. That is that is a huge number. And now when I say star, I mean like the sun. Uh, aside from the sun, you know, there's planets, there's moons, there's uh, asteroids, astral bodies. Uh, things to that nature. Now let's look at our solar system. As you know, our solar system is like the Earth, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, you know, that orbits around our Sun. That that's what I'm talking about when I when I say a star. Our solar system is about halfway between the central bulge of our of our uh, our galaxy. If you look look over there, you see the center white dot in the middle. That's the center bulge of our galaxy. Our solar system is 26,000 light years from the center bulge of the galaxy. 26,000 light years. Now, if you take 26,000 light years, well, well, what's a light year? That is 186,000 miles, uh, right? Is that right? 186,000 miles a second. So if you take 186,000 miles a second and you multiply it by the minutes, by the hours, by the days, you come out to this huge number, which is 5,849,625,600,000 miles in a year. Okay, that's just, that's a light year, okay? We're talking about that 5 trillion number, almost 6 trillion, that's just a light year. And it's 26,000 light years from the center of that little white dot in the middle of our galaxy, okay? So you take that, that huge number, and you go twenty six thousand miles, what does that come out to i i can, I had to find another calculator to come up with that huge number, and I don't even know what the name of that is, so I just made up my own. we're going to call it a bafillion. <laughs> so that's one bafillion five hundred twenty gazillion nine hundred two trillion six hundred fifty six billion miles to the center of our galaxy. Now keep in mind that's just our galaxy, okay which is just one of 100 billion that are out there in our universe. Now, we're not done yet. It's estimated that every galaxy will grow and produce two new stars every year. Well, if you take that times a billion star, I mean a billion galaxies, then there's 200 billion new stars every year that God names. 380,000 new stars every minute. So, the past minute that I've been talking to you, God has had to name 380,000 new stars just in the past 60 seconds. Just like in uh, Psalm 147 that we read earlier, God knows all the stars by name. And whoever wrote that Psalm didn't even have the technology that we do now. And when I say technology, I mean, well, think about it. We're, it it's an ongoing process. The stars... They come and they go. They live and then they die. They're just like humans. So on top of the, the 200 billion new names, there's ones that have died. And it just keeps going and going and going. And God is keeping track of their names. Um, now, I know some of y'all are visual creatures. So we actually have a video to kind of show you uh, what, this, what this looks like. If you'll play that, that first video there. Mike. All righty. Okay, you got the planet there. I don't know what country that is. That does not look familiar to me at all. That's, oh, what is it? I don't know. Oh, yeah, it is Great Britain. Okay, good. All right, so anyway, that's that's Earth, right? Come out there. Pretty soon it's gonna come out. That's That right there is just huge. Okay, oh, okay, so now we pass the, the Earth and there's some planets, that big yellow, bright yellow thing right there in the right-hand corner that was there. That was the sun. That's, we're gonna... I don't know what planet that is. I'm not a science guy. Okay, so there it is. There's the sun, the big bright yellow thing. That's one star, one of 100 billion that's uh, just in our galaxy. So we'll go past that hot burning thing right there. Lots of color. It's beautiful. God created it, so it's beautiful, right? There you go. There's our solar system kind of just circling around that sun. doesn't look like it's orbiting, but it is. I filmed this last week. <laughs> oh, okay, there we go. And so now we're going further out. Okay, so there you got uh, galaxies and planets. And okay, so we're kind of going out further. That's uh, cloudy. It's a cloudy day there. Okay, so here's here's all these galaxies, right? Forming up one huge universe got all those galaxies forming up, that central bulge come, goes in there. That's what we call the Milky Way. It just gets further and further and further and further out. All those galaxies right there coming out. 100 billion, 100 billion stars, 100 billion galaxies to form our, our universe. How big is God that he created this? I mean, it just goes further and further and further out. You can't see earth. You can't even see our galaxy. And then there's like, how many of those are are out there? We can't see it. We can't can't see it. I should give you a, that should give you a perspective of how big our universe is. I look at it and I stand amazed at how big my God is. I look at it and I think about, my cares and concerns compared to the size of this universe. How minute that must be. With all that exists in the universe, he cares for me. In that huge, I mean, it's, it's a pin dot. Like, it's a pin dot of a pin dot. <laughs> it's, 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 it's crazy. It's crazy. Let's look at it another way. We talked about how big the universe is. Well, let's go the opposite way and let's look at how microscopic God makes things. Did you know that there's a hundred thousand proteins in each cell in your body? Now I was like looking on the internet, and I'm like, hmm. Well, how many cells are in my body? And there's not really a, a general consensus, but somewhere between 10 and 100 trillion cells are in your body. So there's a hundred thousand proteins. And each cell that makes up one of 100 trillion, God goes completely the huge universe way, but then also goes into this really small amount. The same God that created a galaxy with a radius of something like three baffillion miles is the same one that made the 100, the intricately placed 100,000 cell proteins in one cell. That's crazy. Now I'm not a science guy, and I don't ever claim to be. And some of y'all are probably looking at me, going, "Well, not that's not accurate, accurate James." But you know, I'm, I'm not I'm not the science guy, and was never really good at it. But I'm a numbers guy, because uh, I mean you can tell that I'm a numbers guy if I can come up with a name like Bethilian, come up with a, a number category as large as that. That that takes some mind strength. And David's going over there, going, the "Guys, gotta be a genius." You're right, I am a genius. <laughs> that's true. I look at the science and the numbers and uh, I, I, honestly, I just stand amazed at just how big our God is. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 40, starting in verse 26. Look up into the heavens. Who created all the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another. Calling each by its name because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. Isaiah reminds me that not only are there a baffillion stars out there, but not one is missing. That means that each one has a purpose. I don't know what that purpose is. But to think that, that God, that there's not one missing, that God has a purpose for all those, that just amazes me. Each one is there for something, not one is missing. I, can, uh, I can't even keep track of the 300 some odd friends I have on Facebook. If one of them dropped off the face of the earth, I would have no idea. I can't even keep track of that. And yet God's naming 380,000 new stars every minute. I don't know how he keeps track of it. Uh, I mentioned that there's 200 billion stars are created every year. But what about the stars that have died? God remembers their names too. Those are billions and billions of names. I said earlier that there's an estimated 100 billion people that have lived since the beginning of time. If God can remember billions upon billions of stars, do you think He has a problem remembering your name? I don't. Do you think that God is concerned about all those galaxies? God is concerned about one person at a time. And just as God has ordained every single protein in your body, He's interested in every single one of your needs. Galaxies are boring. The heavens are boring compared to the human spirit with which God works. In Psalm chapter 8, David reminds us that we need to sometimes get our minds off of what's going on on earth and look up to the heavens and contemplate what God has done out there and who it is that we worship. Let's look at Psalm chapter 8. First verse says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth who has set your glory above the heavens. You can look at that and see that David is describing God's glory using that same vast space that we were talking about earlier. But the truth is that God's glory goes beyond the heavens and it goes beyond the microscopic. His glory can't be bound by either. Second verse says, you've taught children and infants to tell of your strength, silencing your enemies and all who oppose you. When I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place, what are mere mortals that you should think about them, human beings that you should care for them? Now that we have an idea of the size of God's glory, why then would we ever doubt God on a measly building fund? Watch this. Are you surprised? Are you surprised? I want to thank everybody for contributing, but I don't want you to miss the point. Yes, most of you helped to make this possible. However, uh, we can't as a church take credit for it. You helped by being obedient to God. You contributed because God provided for you. Some of you pledged amounts that you can't pay. That's the beauty of it. You can't do it. I'm reminded of a story when I was um, when I was in high school. I knew that I was supposed to go to Oral Roberts University in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and um, my mom was uh, the dean of nursing at a at a college, and so she was very much into school. I always knew that I was going to go to college and everything. Well, she kept telling me to apply for schools, and I kept telling her I'm going to ORU. And she'd say, James, I can't pay for ORU. At the time, this is uh, the mid-90s, and uh, ORU was about $8,000 more per year than the state schools. So my mom kept telling me, James, I can't pay for you to go to college. And I kept telling my mom, Mom, I'm not relying on you. I know that if God wants me to be there, that he's going to provide a way, right? I knew that, and I believed it. And so I got all the way up to my senior year and my mom continued, James, I think you're deceiving yourself. We can't pay for you to go to ORU. There's no way. Mom, I'm not depending on you. God's going to provide a way. If that's his plan, he's going to provide a way for me. And so I, I came out here. I grew up in Arizona. I came out here to where my sister lives in Jacksonville and she's uh, She's about 14 and a half years older than I am. So I'd stay with her in the summers when I, was, when I was younger. And I came out here before I went off to Tulsa to go to school. And I still didn't have the money to go to school. And uh, my mom, let me, my mom's what I call a semi-believer. So she believes in God and uh, she uh, has an idea of what makes up Jesus. She believes in Jesus. She's uh, maybe doesn't have it all together, she doesn't have it yet, but, uh, you know, it's, it's hard for my mom to believe in something like that, believe in a God that would tell me to go somewhere and then provide the way. So I come out here, and my sister is a believer, and my own sister started to, to doubt me one day. It was about, I believe it was about a month before I, I was supposed to go to ORU. I still didn't have the money, and we're driving from Tyler to Jacksonville, where she lives, and um, she started in on it. She said, James... I think you look at things too black and white. I know I'm older than you, I'm more mature than you. I've seen I've seen God work in different ways, and I think that you're deceiving yourself seeing everything black and white. God doesn't always do what you think he's going to do. And I'm like, "Donna, not you too. Come on. If God wants me to go there, he's going to have to provide a way. It's going to happen. Watch." She didn't believe. About a week after that, uh, so I guess that was maybe three weeks before I was supposed to start school, two weeks before I started school, my biological father and I were having a conversation on the phone. Now, keep in mind, my biological father, I had only seen about two times at this point in my life. I didn't really know him until I was 16. Calling on, I'm talking to him on the phone, and I'm telling him, you know, that I'm planning to go to ORU, but I don't have any money yet. I don't have enough money yet. And, uh, he said, well, you know, my dad left you some money to go to school, don't you? And I said, no, how would I know that? <laughs> my grandfather, when he died, which was uh, when I was in sixth grade, or actually, I think fifth grade, uh, I, I saw him when I was little, and I, you know, I, I remember him about when I was six years old. It was probably the last time I saw him. And uh, so I don't know, you know, what's in his will or anything. And he said, yeah, call your uncle. He's the executor of the will and, and ask him about it. So keep in mind, Oral Roberts University was about $15,000 a year at that point in time, which is kind of what state schools are about that much now. But it was about $15,000 a year. So I call up my Uncle Bob and I'm like, hey, Bob, uh, my dad says that, that grandpa left me some money to go to school on. Well, yes, he did. Well, how much money is in that account? What's 15 times four? $60,000. How much is in that account? Oh, about $60,000. Two weeks before school starts. I never doubted God on that because I knew that when God tells me something, he puts a goal in front of me that he's going to carry it out. Now, I didn't need all that money. My mom actually paid a lot of that money because my grandfather or my her parents had died Uh, right before I went up, went off to college. And uh, so she had inherited a lot of money, but it was enough to get me to go to school. And I was, I was able to to go to Oral Roberts University and and everything. A couple of years after I had graduated college, I was talking to my mom. And like I said, she's a semi believer. And I, I said, my mom said, Hey, James, you remember how you said you didn't need me to go to school? Well, let me just remind you that I paid most of your way to school. And I, I smiled at her and I said, hey mom, remember how you said you didn't have the money? <laughs> she said, yeah, but my parents had to die in order for the money to, to get you. Still worked, didn't it? It's like God's, God's good and he, uh, it's in his timing. So, you know, it's, it's, it's awesome. Anyway, doesn't that sound like a familiar God? My mom didn't receive the glory for the money that she suddenly got to pay for my school. God did. We need to make sure that we recognize what God has done with this small-town church. You may have been a contributor, but you're financially blessed because of God. I have three things on your listening guide that will help uh, describe God's provision. And the first one is, nothing is impossible for God. What better way to illustrate Uh, the impossible than to to look at a virgin birth. In Luke chapter 1, Luke describes this. He says, The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I'm a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy child shall be called the son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she who was called barren is now in her sixth month for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, "Behold, the bondslave of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word." And the angel departed from her. You have to wonder about about Mary. I I think about I think about with her being pregnant. You know, when the the angel comes, like at what point did she feel pregnant? You know, was she like in mid conversation? I'm like, oh oh, <laughs> wow, that's <laughs> thanks God. You know, like I, I wonder I wonder about her pregnancy. You know, was it a uh, it had to have been a, a perfect pregnancy, right? So did she did she go to full term? You know, because it it is God like making her pregnant. So did she have to wait nine months? I, I don't know. And then, but I th- I kind of think of God as being an exact God. So I think like if the angel, uh, you know, like she got pregnant at two fifteen and thirty eight seconds, that exactly nine months later at two fifteen and thirty eight seconds later, there's Jesus. You know. And I I think about, you know, that being the perfect pregnancy. And so I'm I'm sure that she wasn't sick in her pregnancy and there weren't any irrational bursts, irrational, you know, outbursts because Joseph left his underwear on the bathroom floor or anything like that. Just, you know, I'm just thinking, right? It's the son of God. So everything has to be perfect. That's how I think about it. Maybe not you guys, but I kind of overanalyze things a little bit. Um, Okay, so let's look at the second provision. Number two. There's some things that people cannot do, but God can do anything. Let's look at Matthew chapter 19. And someone came to him and said, Teacher, what good things shall I do that I may obtain eternal life? And he said to him, "Why Why are you asking me about what is good? There's only one who is good. But if you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. Then he said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not commit murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these things I've kept, what am I still lacking? And then Jesus pulls this on him. If you wish to be complete, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. But when the young man heard this statement, he went away grieving. For he was one who owned much property. And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. I say to you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were astonished and said, Then who can be saved? And looking at them, Jesus said to them, With people this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. This beautifully illustrates our church. Our fearless leader believes that he hears from God that we need to uh, uh, sell, not, I keep wanting to say sell off the property. We need to pay off our our debt for this property that we're on and then buy this land next door. We need to come up with enough money to, to do all of this. And I believe that God's calling us to come up with this money. So why don't you all come over here on February 28th and we'll get together and we'll take up an offering. The amount of money raised and pledged is amazingly large for the size of our church and the financial status of our members. This is what Doug calls a God-sized task. My faith last week was in God. It certainly wasn't in you. I fully expected to see this room half full, kind of like it is today. Uh, but I didn't, I didn't have faith in, in you guys, but somehow it happened. Somehow the goal that we had, It came and it went. The third thing you can say about God's provision is it takes our small faith and provides large growth. Last Sunday, my job was to add up the numbers that were read to me. And I I put them in the calculator. We got to a total, I was completely underwhelmed. Yeah, I said underwhelmed. Because when we added up all the numbers right after church, we met our goal. I was underwhelmed at our goal because I know a God that when, when God tells me to do something, when he sets a goal before me, I know even if it's impossible to pay off all that amount of money, I know that God's going to go over and beyond the goal because he's not a God that's limited. He's a God that, that overdoes things. And so as the day progressed, more people uh, started bringing in more money. And as the week progressed, more came in. And our goal just got, it just kept adding up. And now I was overwhelmed. And I'm overwhelmed at the amount of money that came in. And it's uh, definitely, definitely something to praise God over. Check this out in Matthew uh, chapter 17. When they came to the crowd, a man came to Jesus falling on his knees before him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and is very ill, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. I brought him to your disciples and they could not cure him. And Jesus answered and said, you unbelieving and perverted generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked him and the demon came out of him and the boy was cured at once. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not drive it out? And Jesus said to them, because of the littleness of your faith, for truly I say to you, if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move and nothing will be impossible to you. You have to look at this mustard seed. This is a really small seed and you've probably heard many, many sermons on a mustard seed. It's a small seed that creates a very hardy plant. And actually, in in Matthew chapter 13, uh, Jesus actually describes it as a tree. I don't think I've ever seen a mustard seed in, in, you know, I've seen it on the internet. I've seen pictures of it, but I've never actually seen one in person. Does anybody know why? Because you don't, they don't sell them at nurseries. They don't sell them at at, uh, plant farms. Why? Because it's a weed. Nobody plants weeds in a garden. I don't think that they, they sell mustard seeds at the plant farms and nurseries because nobody wants to, <laughs> to grow weeds. It's like a ragweed. So why does Jesus mention a mustard seed in this chapter and then again in chapter 13, like I said in the parable? Mustard seeds were probably banned in Jesus's time in the, in the garden as well. But Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed sown into the field. No one sows weeds unless... Of course, you're God. So why the mention of mustard seeds? You ever heard the phrase, oh, he's growing like a weed? Because it grows fast. I can I can plant something out in my, uh, in my yard and it'll take forever. But the amount of time it takes for the weeds to come up is like no time whatsoever. You can water it and it's like, you know, it's just, it's crazy. Another thing is, I think of weeds as rejected, they're odd, they're different. Jesus is asking us to sow weeds in the plant garden. He's calling us to sow to the different, to the rejected, to the odd. Jesus would have us reach out to these people. Jesus reaches out to us in our brokenness, our lostness, our spiritual poverty, and our sin. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like you and I. Weed seeds. I think of our church as the weeds. We are those people and we reach out to those people. So isn't it ironic that God would take our little faith, our mustard seed faith, so that we could pay off money so that we could sow our mustard seeds in this community to the odd, the rejected, to the different. God did it. To God be the glory, just like that video said. All right, so we have a, we have a couple baskets in the back. One of the baskets has uh, become popular in the past eight weeks. <laughs> the, it's called our joy basket. Oh, okay. So I think, you know what? That's not good enough for what came in last week. So why don't we do that? We have this basket in the back we call the joy basket. There we go. So... uh Members, if when you're leaving, make sure that you take a part of the, the joy basket and uh, put something in it. If you're a guest today, don't, we don't expect you to, to put anything else in there. I did want to point out, if you are contributing with your pledges, uh, to uh, just remind you to make sure that you uh, designate on a check or, or money or an envelope or whatever, that that's for the building fund and not like your normal tithing and, and I'm offering and there, there is a separate basket out there for the building fund. It's got the red card in it that we uh, filled out last week. So uh, make sure to keep those separate, so that we're not, you know, we're like, oh my gosh, there's fifteen thousand dollars in the in the joy basket today, you know, like, but we did we got nothing in the building fund. Dang it! So uh, make sure you uh, you get that going. We also have the registration card basket. <laughs> oh, don't be sad. Just just fill out the registration card. Keep uh. Keep track of, so we can keep track of your attendance and, and in case you moved or changed your phone number or something like that. On the back of your registration card, uh, just do me a favor. If you have a prayer request, um, put that on there. If you have, uh, you know, like a statement of of uh, of praise, you know, something that we can glorify God over, put that on there so we can pray over it, so we can glorify God over what's going on. And uh, let's pray. Lord, I, uh, I'm amazed at how big you are. I'm amazed at all the things that you do and, and God, that you have enough care and concern for each individual here that you would send your son to save the humanity on this little tiny planet inside of a galaxy and all that goes out there, God. That's amazing. Thank you for loving us that much. Thank you for, for caring for us. Thank you for providing And I thank you, God, for setting a goal for us and then blowing that goal out. You're a too much, God. And we love you and we praise you. I ask you to be with everybody here today, God. I ask you to bless them. In the name of Jesus, amen.